Welcome to the Rural Record Producer podcast. I'm David Booth from the Recording Booth studio in rural Suffolk, UK. The studio is a building in my garden, so yes, I am making records in an English country garden. I'm a music producer, singer, songwriter, drummer, guitarist, and in fact, uh, eternally distracted multi-instrumentalist. In these podcasts, I'm going to be talking to a whole bunch of different people with one thing in common. They make some or all of their living from music. So expect songwriters, promoters, brand specialists, electronic drums, wizards, live sound engineers, choir leaders, gig bookers, festival curators, tribute band musicians, music charity chiefs, and a whole lot more. I'm based in the UK, but I have musical friends all over the world, so I'll be doing my best to hook up with them over the coming weeks and months to give a broader view of this crazy collection of jobs we do. My guest this week is Simon Edgoose. Simon is quite possibly the go-to electronic drums expert in the UK, although he's far too modest to say so. But he's not just a technical wizard. He's a fine drummer, percussionist, producer, and a lovely bloke to boot. So, let's have a chat with him. Hello, Simon Edgoose. I'm sure you're talking about somebody else here. <laughs> I knew you'd say something like that. <laughs> uh, thank you, Dave. That is the first time I've had an introduction. That's really nice. Thank you very much. Well, That's it's very really nice to, to turn this around. Now, uh, it was you, you that actually got me into the idea of doing podcasts. So yeah. you're to blame for this or, or to congratulate. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I'll leave that to people, other people to decide. Um, but yes, nice to uh, turn it around because I listened to your uh, very good podcasts about electronic drums which we'll mention again later um i thought that's a great idea and you said you should do that dave so here we are it only took me two years i think yeah it is getting yourself out into the big bad world which is a very very good thing because otherwise there are millions of brilliant well not millions but there's lots of very very brilliant musicians yes who the greater world does not hear about so yeah it is a very good thing to do it is and and i've had well, this is number three for me, um, and just the two I've done so far. Even though I knew the people already that I was talking to, I, I learned stuff about them. I had thoughts about uh, how how we all work in the industry that I hadn't thought about before. So for me, it's great too. It's great fun. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's get let's get into this. So you're a drummer, um, and you're probably best known these days for being an electronic drums specialist but let's go back a bit how i'm asking this question of, of all the people i talk to how did you get into music so music is what we do for a living there's loads of different ways of doing music but how did you get into it and you can go uh, back as far as your childhood or, or whatever if you wish good i'm pleased you said that uh right do you remember the dr zeus books Yes. You, yes. Okay. So the Doctor Zeus books had that sort of uh, yellow dog type creature that did lots of different things. I really don't know what creature it was, <laughs> but knows? it was a yellow creature of some description. And when I was two, I had a Doctor Zeus book, and one of the pages had this that dog creature um, playing all the instruments in the orchestra. And uh, I found the book um, probably about fifteen years ago, and I had put a big I think it was Red Cross next door to drums. Uh-uh. So I, uh, it was obviously in my blood at two years old that wow. I wanted to hit things. So, yeah, <laughs> then there was a big, big gap. And then when I was eight, um, I my favorite teacher of all time, who was a guy called Mr. Adams, um, uh, I remember being in a class with him and he said, right, there's some places to do percussion. 
um, says percussion lessons at school. Does anyone want to do it? And I was a right smug little whatever because I knew what <laughs> percussion was. So I put my hand up and that was the start of it. So I had lessons from when I was eight at school with a guy called Bunny Austin. Um, and that was it. And that was That's what started. So I started doing orchestral percussion and then that just sort of bloomed into lots of other things. Okay, so orchestral percussion rather than drum kit to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, playing just the snare drum, just the bass drum, just the cymbals, just the triangle. Um, I hated tuned percussion, so oh. I tried to avoid that as much as possible. Why? Because um, uh, it was... Because it was difficult. Because you had to know the notes of because uh, I had to not know the just notes. the rhythms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I okay. that yeah. So I oh yeah. So all of that, and then um, my parents uh, lived in Bedfordshire at the time. So um, Bedfordshire used to have a really really good youth music scene, ah, okay. and which was brilliant. And it's long departed now, unfortunately. Mm, yes. Um, that's another and podcast entirely. That <laughs> is another moving, podcast yeah, yeah. entirely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so every uh, holiday, every school holiday, the so summer, um, Christmas, Easter, um, they would do a one-week orchestra course um, right. or, or band course. Right. And I used to do that. And that is how I met loads of people and got playing. And, yeah, it's fantastic. Wow. So you came, did you carry that on sort of through the whole of your sort of secondary school and, and so you said you started at eight or nine, but, but did, did you get formal lessons and, and grades and all that? Uh, did yeah. Did you just basically keep going with it? Yeah, I kept going with it. I did my grade eight percussion, um, but at the same time, I I can't remember when I first started playing kit, but I reckon I was probably around about 12 or 13. Right. Um, I remember going to get my first kit with my parents, uh, which was an old Premier kit. And um, uh, so I, I can't really remember exactly when everything, it just blurred into one big thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, I was always hitting things for as long as I can remember, or at least eight. <laughs> I was I was always hitting things and it just sort of, yeah. yeah I, Today. Okay, so it's all right. So you you right, you got into it. You carried on hitting things. You had classical training to a degree, and you started playing kit at some point. When did you start to think I could do this for a job? I never thought I couldn't do it for a job. If I'm That's honest, That's a great answer. Which which is a brilliant double negative. So yeah. I always thought I would do it. Yeah. I never ever doubted that I wouldn't be making my living from hitting things. I, I, yeah, that's an alien concept to think otherwise, right. to be honest. So did you start, like many people do, perhaps while you were still um, do, doing your training, start playing in some gigging bands and, and you know, that sort of thing that, that started your introduction to actually doing it for a, for a job? Right. Um, so, I, so as well as all the Bedfordshire stuff, which was orchestral and sort of concert band, um, they also ran music schools on a Saturday morning throughout the term. So right. every Saturday morning from nine till one, I think it was, um, I, my parents would drive me to a music school, uh, it'd be a school, and they would have taken it over to be a music school every right. Saturday morning. And one of the things was um, uh, a big band. There was a big band. And it was always the cool drummers who did it. And <laughs> I was never cool enough. Well, not for the first few years. Okay. And then I took over and... 
I got to say, I absolutely loved doing big band. Wow. Big band is such good fun. Yeah. So it was a youth big band. Um, we had a guy um, who ran it called Mel something or other. I can't remember his name. Uh, who, um, yeah, and it was just brilliant. And again, uh, met loads of people who I still bump into actually okay. um, uh, the guy who was playing keyboards for Squeeze was in that big band <laughs> uh, and just stuff like that and it, and yeah, it was great so that was my first sort of art oh, right this is A really good fun B I could make some money from doing this um, and it was sort of that was what sort of made me go yeah this is this is right this is the direction I'm going in uh, yeah. but I never doubted I wouldn't right so was it uh um, where the the transition from being uh, somebody who's uh, getting close to to doing it for a job um, to actually doing it for a job was it straight into a particular role? Did you go straight into mm. a Western show, or did you go into a mm. band that was gigging a lot, or was it the reality of most of us a bit of everything all at the same time because you weren't at university anymore, or was it you know how, no no uh, no that, long. That, Sorry, go on, go on. No, no, no. It's just that that you know that little transition is is a is the one that many of us. I mean, for me, it took years, literally years, until I found my way into the music industry. But for you, it sounded like it, it happened pretty much straight away. As soon as you no, no, no. Okay. Right. So um, I was gigging. Uh, I, right. I found my. This is going. This is going to date it. I found my filofax from when I was sixteen. <laughs> okay, and I was playing three or four nights a week right okay. aged 16 wow which i don't know how i used to get to things but i must have been <laughs> taken by my parents poor parents um <laughs> That's <our> yeah. job. <laughs> yeah exactly um, but but then so so i was gigging all the time and uh, i just started right. i don't know i just i was getting paid for stuff yeah. it was weird so i was, I was yeah. making a living i was gigging more when i was 16 than i definitely am now <laughs> right. um okay. uh but yeah it, it, and it's then I now I went down to London to do a music course. That's sort of what got me into the into into London. Okay. Um, I did a summer school called Brighton Rock, right, which was run by a guy called Norton York, who's a big big music educationalist, and um, he then started doing a. The, the the country's first rock music course, which was at what was then West London Institute in um, just in Twickenham, right? And I applied for that. Um, I did the audition. I was the only person to turn up in a suit and uh, not suit and tie, shirt and tie. <laughs> Everyone else was in jeans and a t shirt. Okay. I looked a complete and utter idiot, <laughs> but I got a place. Um, and so that got me down into London. And then when I was in London, I remember. After the course finished, I was um, in a living with a girlfriend at the time, and I remember going through NME, uh, New Music Express, and there was a band there who, um, I can't remember exactly what the wording of the advert was, but it was basically, if you're a good drummer, you need to come and join us. If you aren't, basically something rude um and and i remember that stuck in my head and it was just like okay this could be interesting okay um so i remember joining them and at the same time joining another band um who were called heaven on wednesday and the keyboard player in that is now the keyboard player for jamiroquai ah um matt and um through Matt and through that band, I met a guy called Pete Brown. Pete Brown is yes. the uh, was the songwriter for Cream. Yes, and 
for the next probably ten years, everything I did revolved around Pete Brown. Right. So I did all, I did all his sessions. I did I lots of stuff for him. All his gigs, and yeah, and I, that was then. That, uh, that was the transition. I, okay. I just went from yeah. being a student to yeah. doing it. Doing it. So, right. Okay. Well, that's that's a good time. So, I, uh, when I first met you in about 2002-ish, uh, sometime during 2002, I think, pretty sure, you were still playing with Pete at that yeah. point because uh, we came and saw you playing a gig, actually. Did you? Uh, yes. You got us in, uh, I can't remember what, <laughs> one, one of the London venues. I could, probably one that shut down now. Uh, you got us on the uh, the guest list. Um, uh, so I say us. So uh, I, I, I'll, um, I shall tell, tell the dear listeners now. So Simon and I uh, played in uh, a band, um, an originals band um, between 2003 and uh, 2010. Uh, and Simon was the drummer uh, and I was the guitarist and singer and we had a, a singer called Sarah and a keyboard player called Liz um, and it was a very good band um, but when we first met Simon uh, in 2000 I think it was probably the year before Simon actually joined the band 2002 Simon was um, well he was doing the job with Pete Brown um, but he was also a drummer for uh, it, was the, it was the backing band for one of the acoustic London showcases at the time. I can't even remember what the name of the, the acoustic... But it's one of those showcases where you get to play in London if you're at, from out of London. Uh, but it's heavily encouraged that you need to generate people to go to them. So it's, it was one of those that oh, you don't really want to do, but you need to do... Uh, or we, we did back in the early 2000s. And, and Simon was in this band... And we, so he'd, you learnt two songs, didn't you? you we, yeah, uh, it was, yeah. It was The Orange. Okay. In, in West, South Ken. South uh, Ken. Yeah, okay. it's The Orange in South Ken, yeah. Right. So, so we went along, uh, myself and Sarah, um, the singer who, who it was just the two of us at the time. And we'd sent our songs in uh, and the backing band learnt everybody's songs. And we did our two songs and Simon was a drummer. And then he came up to us afterwards and said, I don't normally say this to people, but if you want a drummer anytime, get in touch because I really like your stuff. And we were like, whoa, that's quite cool. Uh, mm. And to cut a long story short, um, we did. We did get in touch. And then we started coming seeing you in Twickenham uh, and yep. we started working together. Um, and we did a lovely thing for a few years. But yes, so you were still playing with Pete at that point. Um, I was, and you yes. got us on the guest list and we came and saw you and thought, oh, he's good. So we, we got you involved. And, and, and then uh, I was, it opened my brain to a whole new thing as well, because you introduced me over the years that we worked together. You introduced me to recording on a computer because yeah. I was stuck in the dark ages. Um, well, I was, I was, I had a Yamaha AW16G uh, hard disk recorder, which was actually all right uh, at the yeah. time. That that was that that was my thing. Um, but you showed me the power of drums, uh, drums. Uh, no, the 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 computers, the computers using computers for recording. So thank you for that because that's what I do for a job these days. Uh, so you're to blame for that. Um, Good. And also then later on, you introduced me to the joy of electronic drums, which we will get onto. So you you were doing the London showcase thing. You were doing Pete Brown. You were doing gigs. Uh, I remember when you, and then you moved while you were playing with us. You moved up to Essex. Uh, yes. from London but you were still going back into London a lot of the time mm. to, to play gigs and coming back looking very tired uh, many days a week um, so what yeah. what happened so that but that I know that that sort of slowed down and then you just started talking about Yamaha a lot um, so you started working 
for Yamaha, or you had been already, but um, a lot of your work suddenly um, seemed to be less gigging and then more of this work with Yamaha. So ha- t- it gives the introduction to the that, because that'll then take us on to the electronic drums, I guess. Okay, so um, I was uh, I was working at Wembley Drum Centre. Um, after I... So when I was still doing Pete and stuff like that, I realised that, you know, I... I couldn't really live off just gigs. Right. So I realized that I needed to do a job. But we musicians have a hatred of nine to five jobs and stuff like that. We Indeed. They, yes, they are totally alien and everything else. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something that was music related, but not an office job, not anything conventional. Um, and uh, Wembley Drum Center opened up and it was the biggest drum shop in the, com- in the country. And um, I uh, applied for a job and I got a job there so I was working at Wembley Drum Centre for I think five years and at the end of that period I was doing all these gigs Um, I was working three days a week there and the rest of the time I was playing and it all worked out really really well and again I met loads and loads and loads of really really important people uh, who who I'm still in touch with hundreds of them now which is great great Um, and uh, I left that because I got offered a tour supporting Sophie Ellis Bexter on her first UK tour and I left Wembley on the Thursday I think it was was my last day I started the tour the following week I did the tour I finished that tour on the Saturday um, on the Saturday night at Shepherd's Bush Empire and on Monday morning at nine o'clock my phone rang and it was Yamaha I had no work on that day (laughs) I had nothing from that Monday onwards but at nine (laughs) o'clock Yamaha (laughs) rung me up and said do you fancy doing some demoing work for us right and it was like yeah absolutely what else the the, the tour had finished so it really was one door shuts other door opens and so I demoed for them for, for a few years and then I gradually started getting really frustrated that things weren't happening so I started badgering the people in Japan and I like started you like you do um, so I started emailing them saying look you need to do this you need to do that I rewrote a manual because I thought the manual was really badly written okay. uh, and I sent it to them I didn't ask for anything I just went look this is what you should be doing. That's what you should be doing. Um, and then many over over time, I started doing more stuff, and Japan started getting, getting in touch with me. And then I was doing, I was demonstrating for Yamaha at uh, at the Frankfurt Music Messe, which is the used to be the the biggest music show in the world. Right. And there were some people, high ranking people from Japan there, and the German guy who was showing me around, um, Wolfgang, said, "Look, they want to do this." Would you be up for it? Uh, can you go and have a chat with my bosses, 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 boss, <laughs> who happened to be there? And I did. And I just happened to land this sort of European demoing role and working with Japan and everything else like that. Right. So that's how it started. Okay. That was, that was a bit long winded. Sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, and then, okay. So, well, the, the, uh, the, we worked together in in our band 2003 to 2010 and yep. 
as it happens, we both left uh, this particular band uh, in 2010. Now, you'd already announced that you had to leave because you got too busy at this point doing yeah. all of this work. Um, yes. Uh, and I, I, I left for, for entirely different reasons because I was going insane. But um, it, it was, <laughs> I fell out of love with the industry entirely briefly. Yes. Uh, but, As but, it's very but easy to do, it, it must be it, said. It's easy. It's, uh, yeah. I just totally burnt out. Um, but then discovered my my thing my ism which is producing other people and i love yeah. doing that so so it worked out um but so so you you'd got this was around this time when you were uh well you were going to japan and i seem to remember you're going to south africa at one point or i don't know no not or, south africa where no, else would it be oh, loads, uh, yeah all over the place basically. Basically. Yeah. yeah um so did this 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 um continue were you or only working for for yamaha presumably all the time you're you're meeting different companies that that want your services were you and then so did this turn into i know you're sort of self-employed now or freelance now but um how did that turn uh, right so because i yeah no no totally so because i was doing all these music shows and, and uh, you know around the world i was bumping into people uh, all the time but the, the one thing that is worth i think is worth mentioning is i've i've never actually worked for yamaha i've never been an employee i've always been self-employed um so for that reason i think i can give an honest answer that's the one thing i really hate yes if hate is a horror is a very strong word and i don't like using it but is this one thing that really winds me up it's someone who is being paid by a company who will just say a certain thing because the company's paying them yeah um Whereas I always wanted to keep my integrity and yeah. be able to give everyone an honest answer. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and it's paid off. It's paid off. I well, mean, it, well, I it was works. just uh, absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because um, it, it's, it's clear to me that, uh, you know, you, you're very successful in your field now. And the reason you've got there almost certainly is not just because, well, you, you're a, you know, your attention to detail is high. That's great. You're a good drummer. That's great. But it's things like that 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 I and I I'm I I think uh, I'd like to think I'm the same. That I will be honest with people that I'm working with that I'm producing in the studio. That there are people that I've worked with for, for many years, uh, and I will tell them this isn't as good as that that we did mm. before. Uh, mm let's let's take a deep breath step back and come back at it and i think that works uh that honesty works so the fact that you were able to have a a long-standing relationship with a company that big and do mm. loads of work for them but mm. be, to be able to tell them your latest module sounds rubbish or mm. or, or i can make it sound better that, that, that's fantastic um yeah and also i mean it, it's that well while you're saying that it reminded me that i really enjoyed gigging I'm putting it in the past tense, but uh, I really enjoyed the sort of gigging I was doing in London. But if there's one thing that I didn't like, it was dealing with people who are really insecure about ah, their jobs. Okay. So I didn't want to, I just, I couldn't, I was just, I'm rubbish at that. I'm rubbish <laughs> at going, oh no, you're brilliant. If I, if, in, if I actually think they're rubbish, <laughs> I can't do that. Okay. Um, right. So, so I, so actually I just wanted, I just can't, I know. And I look at people who I, I've got amazing friends who play with massive names and, or, or, or just you know, play every single day. But, yeah. you know, but they, they've developed the art of saying, and they've still got their integrity. 
Let right. me put that. Put that. Okay. But they can they can say, yeah, that's brilliant. You're fantastic. You sounded great, even if it might not be one hundred percent true. Oh, okay. I can't. I can't do that. Right. I really okay. can't do that. So, um, so I, 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 that's why I wanted to get into stay in the music business, but I wanted to move into something where I could go right. This is great. This isn't great. Yeah. You've got to do this to make this better. If I said that to a really insecure singer in a really big band, yeah, they're going to go right. You're not working for us anymore. Yeah. But if I said it to a company, they're more likely to go, okay, fine. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And I could go well. This yeah. do this, do that, do that. You can make it better. And they'll go, and over time, hopefully, they'll go, oh, actually, he was correct about that. Okay, so, so that's a really, okay, right, that's a really great explanation of a question I was thinking of asking you. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so I'll ask the question now that you've already answered it. And that question is, um, I know that you've got friends who play for some of the biggest names in pop music. Uh, yeah. Full stop. Uh, and I know that you're uh, just as good on drums as they are. And the, the question that I, I know I've spoken to you about this in, in the past, but um, uh, the dear listeners have not. Uh, and that, that is, why aren't you playing drums for some of these big names? Because you have done, you know, you've met them and you could have done. And, and I think you've probably just answered that is because you have chosen to not. Uh, you've chosen to make take a different path, uh, albeit um, I don't know. I have to ask everybody the the people that you've bumped into, the level of, of people that you've bumped into, which is top end of the industry. Um, would you ever be tempted if one of them said, "Oh, Simon, stop fiddling around with all this technology and just come and play drums for us on this tour"? Is that totally out the window these days? Uh yes. Right. Um, right. Okay. Uh, can I name? Mm, yes, yeah. you can name drop. Yes, you can name drop. I've not <laughs> okay. been because I'm I'm aware that you hate it. Uh, okay. And I don't know who you're allowed to say to the general public these days that you have worked with. But okay. Just say them all if you can. Um, okay. Actually, no. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a, a, a non. A, I'm not gonna name the band. Okay. I was working with a band last year who are very very big have been around for a very very long time and everybody who's listening to this knows them and uh, I was doing something at the drummer's house and um, to do with electronics yeah. and um, after on the second day third day maybe I can't remember the drummer turned around and said look we're recording at um, Metropolis I can't remember where it was it, no, one of the big ones yeah. yeah one of the really big studios yeah. or maybe it might have been Abbey Road or Air or somewhere like that Next week, uh, could you come and tech for me? Because I really, you know, I, I could see you know your gear and everything else like that. And it was just like, right, do I want to do that? And it was just like, yeah, I mean, it would be, it, I'm sure it'd be, I know how it would have been very, very, very well paid. Not that that's anything to do with it. Right. Um, well, it is something it to do like, with it. That, that, I mean, we're all self-employed. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, it is. The thought comes, and you've got kids. Uh, so, yes. you know, you do have to think about that briefly. <laughs> But, but without any without any thought, I just said, thank you very much, but I, I can't. I didn't give a reason. Okay. I just said, Look, thank you very much, but I can't. Okay. Um, and, yeah, there's so many other people out there who would have just gone, oh, my God, I'm, I'm you know, yeah. working with beep. And, yeah. uh, and it's just like, no. You're listening to the Rural Record Producer Podcast with me, David Booth, and my guest, Simon Edgoose. 
I had lessons for a long time with a guy called Bob Armstrong, who's no longer with us, who was the, just the best drum teacher in the world. And he's taught everybody. Wasn't he a famous drum teacher or a teacher uh, well, of he famous was. drummers? He yes. was both. Yes. Both. Yeah. He was the drum teacher's drum teacher. Yeah. And, he's, uh, and Bob was phenomenal. And I got a real hang up about my first or second lesson with him because... I was in a room with Bob. <gasps> you know, I, I, I could, and yet he, and right up until the, you know, the last time I saw him before he died, he, he used to take the, um, extract the whatever out of me okay. for falling out of his studio because <laughs> I was on the first time I, the first lesson, um, there was, uh, there was his studio and there was a sort of an ante room outside and then there was a step down and I was so sort of in awe of Bob that I was walking backwards, uh, going, thank you, Bob. That was brilliant. That was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Not realizing that there was a step and I just fell out of his studio. Brilliant. Um, oh. and I just sort of completely just sort of disappeared. He was like, you're right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, but Bob very said cool. to me, "Look, yeah, it's so cool, so cool." Um, Bob said to me in my very first lesson, because I was, I, he could tell that I was freaking out that I was in a room with him. Yeah. He said, "Look, we all um, release gas in bed, yes. and we all go to the toilet in the morning." Well put. Don't put anyone on a pedestal, and it's so true. Yeah. So. Uh, when he said that, it's just like, yeah, I'm being a bit stupid here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So no, I, I, everyone's the same. I, you can you can meet yeah. the biggest rock star in the world, and you know that they are. You know, they might be having problems with their family. They might be having car problems. They might be having. You know, <laughs> yeah. we all have the same yeah. problems. Yeah, yeah. It's just we have more noughts in our bank account, but that doesn't really show. Yeah. To a lot a lot of the time. Wow. Wise words, indeed, and very interesting, and well avoided. Uh, that was the name dropping. That was very well avoided. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not okay. going to do it, but feel free. You know, if you have to say one or two of them, this one. Well, okay. Yeah. Seeing as you contacted me after uh, I, uh, well, yes, I was doing another podcast for somebody for a shop a few days ago. Oh, okay. Uh, they they did actually ask, so I did actually say. So I will actually say some names later right. when it when as an who? Uh, when, when it Well, who who are, who uh, uh, can you say that story now? No, you can't tell no, you can't say the name of the story now because you said no to them and now you just told us why you said no. Oh no, well, okay. Okay, it was beep. Um <laughs> Okay. Right. Okay. So it was beep beep. Yes. Uh, who was playing with beep right. and and he said, "Look, can you come and down and, uh, okay. and tech for me and sort out all my gear in the studio?" And he's just like, "Beep, thank yeah. you, but no. no, I can't. It's not your thing." Yeah, no. Well, there you go. So, uh, right. So we've we've done the history. We've got to draw. We've got to the point where yeah, all right. You're you're now established uh, in in the world of e-drums let's let's face it so i i know you, you 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 know as far as i'm concerned you're you're a drummer you're a drummer and always yeah. will be a drummer and that is what started it and that is still there and if i started another band and, and you weren't so busy and i could afford you i'd still ask you first simon will you be my drummer on an acoustic kit you know so on on a mutual whatever if you asked me to i'd love to okay well there we go. We'll do it at some point. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So thank you for that. Um, but 
this e drums thing has to be addressed now. So, so I I think uh, we, just before we started this podcast properly, um, we were chatting and, and said um, we won't get into too much technical detail. No, because you do that very well on your own podcasts and with other podcasts and and interviews and and articles and demonstrations and videos, YouTube. Uh, so if people want the techie stuff, they can go to you directly for that. But uh, the e drums thing, how electronic drums? Why? I suppose uh, the first thing. The, the, how did you get into it? I suppose how did you get started with e drums? And then why? Why did you? I don't know. End up specialising in that, apart from the job opportunity. Uh, I, I don't think that was it. Yeah. For okay. You. Um, probably gone in that direction anyway. Oh, I, uh, right. Okay. For most people. Most drummers have a view of electronic drums like Bob Dylan had of electric guitars. <laughs> okay. Well, no, no, he didn't. He started playing electric guitars. How the folk scene viewed oh, Bob right. Dylan playing? Sorry. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, drummers just, it's either they play acoustic or they play electronic. And as yeah. far as I'm concerned, it's its all stuff you hit with sticks. Uh, it's just, I, I, I can't see what the hang up what the problem is yeah. but drummers just have got a problem so I started using electronic drums from when I was really young I remember right FD&H which is a music shop on Charing Cross Road I went there with my mum when I was oh, I don't know 14, 15, and I spent my hard-earned money, I don't know how I'd earned it, but, oh, got gigging, of course, yeah. um, on a Simmons SDS-1, which was a single pad which you could stick a, a chip into, which had a sound on, right. on it, and that was my first entry into electronic drums. And, I, yeah, it's just continued from that. I can't remember a time when I haven't considered them to be completely normal well this is most... this is interesting because uh, uh, uh the 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 reason i asked you how you got into it is to find out when it was really and i guess you you're telling me that all right it was after acoustic kit and after percussion but not far af behind no, it or no, basically it is always gone alongside the the electronic and the acoustic stuff has, has carried on and your development with those things have been very much together yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely, totally, totally. It, it's it was just like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you asking me that question is like someone saying to um, somebody else, "When when did you develop your interest in yogurt?" <laughs> but do you see what I mean? Because yogurt is just sort of something just, completely everyday. We eat it all there. the time. We, it's just there. It's just we, there. Why would we go? Oh well, actually, it was November the fifteenth on nineteen ninety-seven. I had my first yogurt. That's You're never going to say that, are you? Brilliant. Well, well that's that's giving me because obviously when it, when one tries to promote these podcasts, you have to have some sort of little tagline. <laughs> well, I talked to Simon Edgoose about electronic drums, famous people, and yogurt. They're, they're yes, perfect. So thank you for that. Well, all right. Uh, I, I won't ask you any more yogurt questions. I'll try not to. Anyway, okay. um, so for most of the world uh, that, uh, that I saw until I got to meet you, electronic drums. Uh, I, I'm a drummer too, so I, I play drums since I was 15. Um, but taught myself, so my technique's very sloppy. But I've got a good ear, so I'll get away with it. But I, I, I carried on playing drums uh, on and off forever. Um, but I got I, I I looked on these electronic things as ooh ooh I don't know about that you know it's like um, synthesizers in pads and it's supposed to sound good these days of course everybody uses a mixture 
and yeah. I do too, and it's fantastic. And and I I didn't realise until you came along, and perhaps this is why you've got a job now because people are still finding this uh, this thing of oh I can I can do that with it. And well, it's not a real kit. It's not meant to be a real kit, even though I suppose. People like Yamaha might have spent a lot of time trying to make things sound like a real kit. The one thing you you made, got across to me was this thing of it's it's not a real kit. It's a different instrument. Mm. And and do you, do you still think that? Do you, would you still say to people or to drummers who are used to have played acoustic kits or whatever, or to even to young people who want to learn drums, would you start them on an, a, an acoustic kit or an electronic kit? Um, are they different things entirely? Are they just these days? Uh, different, I don't know, fingers on the same hand or something. Oh, golly. Sorry, so there are too many to, points so many there. things to answer in that. There's way too many points there, wasn't there? The, right. The, 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 that, you see, that's, but the, the problem is, the reason there's too many points is because it's all jumbled up in my head like that. Yeah. Is this, uh, I used to, I use electronic kits all the time now in, in the studio with triggering software and it's it's become second nature. But when I first met you, the, they were this, this weird thing. Um, and I'm wondering, perhaps I'm wondering, A, is that still the case with a lot of people that they still yes. think they're weird? Absolutely, T totally. I, it's yeah. There's still you still meet drummers who just don't get it, but then they want to record at home, but they can't because they haven't got a soundproof room, uh, or you know, yeah. Uh, and the, but uh, as I see it now, the the main function for electronic drums is so that people can play at home. They can hit something which sounds like an um, an vaguely like an acoustic kit yeah. uh, without disturbing their family or their friends or their neighbours or anything else like that. Um, it can do a million and one other things, but 99% of the time people just need it to replicate their acoustic kit, but without the noise. That is the problem. Noise is the problem. Okay. And and it, that is for, what, for practice purposes or for... Uh, <laughs> right, right now with us, uh, so we are currently in the, um, for those of you listening to the podcast in a couple of years' time, we are currently in the virus uh, times. The uh, So the coronavirus is, is uh, means we're all socially isolated. So right now, electronic kits are great because yes. one person can play a kit in their house and not upset people. And perhaps I have seen people creating these multi uh, screen videos of uh, and quite often playing the uh, electronic kits. So I suppose yeah. that they're great for that. But yeah. um, they are also, I mean, you're, you're, but surely you're not passionate about these things because uh of just that i mean you you're you're trying to take these things to a, a a professional musician level not just people you know tippy tapping around in a house for fun yeah um there's nothing wrong with that but but no. the level at which you you approach these things is entirely different you know and and there are famous people using these things as well so they're not just things in houses are they no, absolutely not. It, it's only when I talk to other people that I realise how uh, electronics and, and acoustic are just sort of still completely different planets for most people. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't really... Th Do you think you are the only person on the planet that has a brain that puts them together with yoghurt and, and the, that it is totally normal for a, a person who is played acoustic drums and percussion for many years uh, uh real drums uh, as it were uh and can totally considers the the electronic side of it is 
all, all, all it's just the same it's just the same i can think of at least one other oh, <laughs> on the planet <laughs> on the planet um <laughs> hi john um okay. no uh, right okay. uh, no. Uh, I, I don't know i mean it's just yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's, imp- it's impressive well. it's, it's interesting that you know you've met all these people and you say okay there might be just one other person on the planet that that thinks that way but, um, I, th- I think that's, I mean, when, when I started working, doing stuff, when Yamaha first asked me to start doing stuff for them, what they said they wanted was a, um, an electronics evangelist. Oh. And I suppose I am that sort of person, but I'm that sort of person because I don't view it as anything different or weird or anything else like that. Yeah. It's just completely and utterly, it's a complete and utter yogurt moment isn't it it's just it's just every day and it's it's yeah, like I mean, me picking up different plectrums to go with a guitar or it, yeah. it's just a different bit of what we do yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, and and everybody uses it and if you turn on a commercial radio station like radio 2 you are probably listening to uh, a programmed in some way drum track on 80% of what it is, if not more. I remember in the mid-2000s having such a heated argument with you about this because yep. I, at the time I didn't know anything and I didn't believe that. Uh, uh, and then I can't remember what it was, but you got a pop song up and I said, that's real drums. He said, no, it's not, it's a loop. I said, that's real drums. I said, no, it's not, it's a loop. But that bit's different to that bit. No, it's not, it's a loop. And, and I don't know how you proved it, or, yeah. but it was, it was, it was uh, very enlightening. And, and I do it myself now. So, I mean, I've got, in my, in my studio here, I've got my acoustic kit set up all the time with, with mics on it. Uh, I know how to do that side of things. Um, I've also got my electronic kit, which you introduced me to how to do this. Uh, in the corner, uh, I play that more than the acoustic kit, probably triggering very amazingly recorded software instruments, which have got real sounds, you know, sampled into them. And, and it, it, so in effect, I'm able to play any one of a selection of a dozen kits recorded in a beautiful studio somewhere in Europe and, uh, but sat here in rural Suffolk, I'm able to do yeah. that. So the electronic kits do that beautifully. Um, mm. I have discovered, um, I guess what I, I would encourage people to think as well is to get away from the image of, um, toy electronic kits. Uh, yeah. Yes. Be, be, uh, nothing wrong with that for kids uh or, or you know the, the, there might be a, a you know there's a market for, for toys for everybody so why not toy drums as well but that um they are so not that are they uh once you get to no. a certain level is no i know it, it's it, it, what you hit is so not related to what you hear so it doesn't actually matter what you hit um, with what I've got here, where, um, where I'm sitting at the moment, uh, is the kit that I teach on, which is a normal acoustic kit, a normal drum kit, but it's got mesh heads on it, which are pretty much entirely silent, right. and it's got little things on the edge, you know what they are, triggers, yeah. um, which clip onto the edge, and they, when I hit my silent drum, it sends a little signal down to a drum module, which tri- uh, triggers the sound, so that when you're wearing headphones, it sounds like you're really sitting behind a, a, an acoustic drum kit. Yeah. When you take the headphones off, the kit is is pretty much almost silent. Yes. Um, and Which is people, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but it looks like a drum kit, and because it looks like a drum kit, people are happy to play it. If I <laughs> if I had a selection of small rubber pads, they probably wouldn't be so happy playing it. Right, okay. There's, a, there's yeah. a, such a massive amount of, if it looks right, it is. it sounds right. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's exactly the same thing with you know. Let's okay. Let's pick another instrument. If you picked a, uh, an electric guitar that looked like a frying pan 
um, or <laughs> look like something weird and obscure. Yeah. Guitarists are going to go, yeah. oh no, yeah. no, no, no. Even yeah. if it sounds phenomenal, yeah. but if it looks like a guitar, they're going to go, oh yeah. wow, that's great. Good, um, good example. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's exactly the same. If it looks right, generally it is. So going back to going back to the who, yeah, um, right. So what? Why they got me in was because the the tour there used an orchestra and um, Zach is quite a loud player and they realised they couldn't have an acoustic drum kit with an orchestra because it would just swap okay, the orchestra. Yeah. So they realised they had to give him an electronic kit. So I went down and programmed that. They uh, He had a kit built for him, uh, which looks like his regular drum kit, right. um, but it had pads built into it and it was triggering a load of electronics. And that is... that's. That's the right sort of situation. That's the sort of thing that electronics should be used for. Right. Um, it means yeah. that the drummer can play. It sounds like a kit to the to the um, audience, but it doesn't obliterate a very expensive orchestra. <laughs> Beautifully put. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. A great use for electronics. Okay. Right. Well, that this um, this 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 gets us onto. Um, uh, I suppose we are in innovation, innovation uh, of of using the electronics and, and putting it into a, I suppose, a traditional music context. But you yourself, I know you've done some of this, some innovating, um, because you, back in uh, when we were still in the band together, actually, you gave me your first, because you'd built a better one, uh, your first, what they call a sub kick. Yes. Uh, so you built, um, you put, uh, uh, so this is getting onto Simon, the inventor. Um, you put a, a speaker into a shell that was a drum, the snare drum before and mm-hmm. wired it up in some way that turned it into a microphone that picked yeah. up because of its size, I guess the, 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 the lower frequencies that would normally you know, come out of a kick drum. And there's lots of ways of capturing that. But these, these, these things didn't exist when you were building this, apart from uh, somewhere somebody else built one slightly before you, apparently, yeah. I think. Yeah, just got in there before you. But you were building... So you were experimenting with this, this thing, uh, and I got, I've still got it, and I still use it sometimes. Um, yeah. You, you are a, you are a, a tweaker, a, 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 a yes. You, you don't like leaving things as they are. I no, think, you, do you? All, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's maybe that. Okay. You might have, without realizing it, connected my whole uh, acoustic electronic thing, uh, acoustic electronic okay. drum thing up. Yes. There's always a better way of doing it, and I am determined to find the better way of doing it. That's what it comes down to. And I'm still a tweaker because up until about three minutes before I was due to call you, right. or you've called me, um, uh, I was working out how I can use iPhones in a program called OBS so that when I'm teaching online, I can have multiple cameras. I, there's always a better way of doing it, and I just okay. that's I've got to find it. Right. I've always got to find it. So, yeah, so I'm always continuously tweaking. Right. Okay. Well, have uh, uh, have you done any more things like that? So, so the the Yamaha. What was I think was it Yamaha that, that patented subkick? Yeah, the subkick. Sub, yeah. yeah. So, the, um, the, which are very common these days. You see them all the time in front of kick drums, and uh, um, but, but you you sort of built one of those before they became well known. But have mm. you built anything else that, that the world I, doesn't I, know about, or does know about, or are you doing it yeah. all the time? That, um, that your kit that I, you said your silent kit. Is that uh, is that just a standard kit or? Yeah, or? that's that's that's, that's well, nothing just, just special. Heads on. Yeah, um, right. Okay, so uh, for a time, I was working with a with a friend of mine on something which um, I I 
I'm sure I've told you about. Yes, you did. The, yes, yeah. Okay, so which was an electronic kit. Um, the only problem with the, the the problem with electronic kits is they all work in pretty much the same way, and they all work off vibration. Right. Um, so if you accidentally knock into an electronic drum, it will it might set a sound off, which yes. you don't want to do. So um, I had been I had a, an idea which had been rummaging around my head for many many years about using magnets. Right. And so I, along with a friend of mine, built a prototype kit. We applied for a patent for it and everything else. And uh, it worked. It works really, really well. Uh, we haven't done anything with it, basically, because it's very, very, very expensive to take out a patent. Uh, and okay. after the first one, and when you get a second demand for another £10,000, you just sort of think, holy guacamole. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Um, Ouch. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's really expensive. So, but because we've patented, we put out, we, we, um, are filed for a patent, there's still paperwork to show that we were there first. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so, um, so yeah, so, uh, yeah, so there's lots of different stuff. There's, uh, there's yeah. always stuff. Um, you are still uh, tweaking. I, all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Long, long way that continue. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. I, I I think I think actually that is why I do what I do is just so it I I can spend every single little bit of time which I'm not doing something else tweaking because uh, I can justify it as being part of my experimenting for jobs etc. Absolutely, and companies. Yes, that's what that. Yeah, that's it. Right. Good. Uh, so, all right. Well, you've you've you mentioned the the, the, the jobs thing, and then so you you mentioned teaching, uh, and you do the demoing, um, and you have your your own website, which I'll get you to announce at the end. Uh, but so you are a self-employed person, as am I, yeah. Um, yeah. and that's uh, a big part of the reason that I'm I'm uh, a lot of the people I'm talking to are on this podcast uh, on my list of a whole bunch of people that I've got coming up um, are mostly self-employed. Um, for you, um, it, the, the reality of that is what currently is that is that um, a bit of everything, or do you have one main thing that you're focusing on? Is is it just the demoing, or are you doing a bit of this, a bit of that, or uh, right? The other thing which sums me up is I get bored really easily doing the same thing. Okay. I could not do a nine to five job, um, right, uh, or, or something which is you know the same thing in the same place every day. Right. Um, I just love the variation and the differences in what I do from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. Um, so uh, as, as far as income is concerned, um, no, I mean, it really depends. Uh, sometimes I'm doing more demoing work. Sometimes I'm doing more stuff for Yamaha directly on development. Sometimes I'm doing uh, programming work for people. Um, and it's always a mixture. Uh, there's Great. So there's... It's never the same. Yeah. Ever, ever the same. And it's brilliant. I love it. And I am so lucky yes. to be able to do that. The, 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 I, I, I feel the same. Uh, so, yeah. so, yes, because uh, I, I guess, do a bit of everything. Uh, I, I'm not just a, a, a recording engineer or I'm not just a guitarist or I'm not just a drummer. I've managed to build up this, this thing that I do that's a bit of something different every day really mm. uh, and i work with different people every day and I, I, I might be doing a whole load of drumming one day and then the next day i'll just be mixing a track um and i love it too yeah so and i think uh a lot of people i talk to are, are the same that, that have got to the point where they've got a stable career if you can call this thing doing music for a job a career i don't know um 
and, and yes, the, that's very common. The um, a bit of everything is good. Um, yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's a necessity just to say yes to a different job one day or whatever. But actually, I think what's also coming through loud and clear with the people I talk to is uh, we actually would choose to do it anyway. Um, mm. And you've just said, yeah, abs- actually, that uh, is what keeps us sane. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's. There's lots of different types of people, but the sort of, I mean, I think that's why we sort of got on very well right from the first thing. We, so we could see in each other that we're, we're quite similar in sort of, right, well, let's do this. No, let's do that now. Let's yeah. do that now. Let's, let's do an album. Let's do this. Let's do some gigs. Let's do this. I, it's, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's fresh. what, yeah, it, yeah, because I don't want to, I do not, we never know when we're going to pop our clogs and disappear off this more coil and i do not want to get to knowing i got five minutes left and going bum why didn't i do this why didn't i do that <laughs> yeah why didn't i go to you know uh, yeah. and that's that's the i think that's the main thing i think that's the main thing is is you know we have got limited time and if you can do something which you love it it's, we're just so lucky so lucky wise words indeed Yes, I think I think that's that sums up the whole thing uh, very well. Um, I, I've just got one last question, really, or a couple of uh, two two last questions before uh, we part. Um, quick, quick, very quick for you. Gear recommendations. So uh, for 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 and and that would be so. I, I speak to people um, quite often uh, who say, "Oh, uh, I'm interested in getting a, an electronic kit." because I want something half decent at home. And I always give them the advice that you gave me ages ago, which is just get a good quality, but very basic, where uh, other, other brands are available, but Yamaha kit, because um, it's solid, it lasts forever. And then you can tweak it, you can build it up and, and build it up. Uh, uh, so um, as far as electronic kits, is that still your recommendation to people who are, even for drummers who are perhaps drumming for a living, but just getting into electronics? Um, oh, um, I've possibly changed my view on this because it depends on how. Um, not this isn't this isn't you, obviously. It depends how lazy one is, okay? <laughs> uh, because most people now have lost the ability to investigate and have uh, to tweak. Yes. So they're the opposite of me. Yes. They just want to hand their card over and take something set it up not investigate how it works or tweak and stuff like that and set it up and just hit it and it makes a noise um if and if you do that then fine if that's if that's what you want to do that's great but that is not me um so uh you can by asking around by um asking people who've who've who are doing a similar thing to what you want to do, what one wants to do, you can get uh, recommendations and you can find much cheaper ways of doing very, very good things. Right. So like, you know, like what you've done, uh, you know, you've got a basic kit, um, but you've got it connected to a computer running amazing software yes. and it sounds phenomenal. Yes. Um, it doesn't have to be that. I uh, recently played a kit which I did my first video demo of for Yamaha. I can't remember how many years ago. And I played it and it actually sounded really, really good because I had tweaked it and everything. Okay. It sounded really good. It would be passable today. Yes. Um, uh, but 
you you were, and you could probably buy it for three hundred quid second hand off eBay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but people don't want to do that. They no. don't want to do that. They just want to buy something new and flashy and whatever they are being told to buy. Right. Um, so all right. Well, that the the answer that's come out of that is that you you can just go and buy an expensive drum kit from a well-known brand and it'll sound yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, or, but there are cheaper ways and better ways of still doing oh, that. Absolutely. Uh, and, and th- this technology I've got sat in the corner, what is that? 15 years old, perhaps. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. And, and, but it, uh, combined with more modern software, it sounds amazing. So, uh, it, yeah. and, it, and it works. All right. And, and then the last, last question, uh, uh, to me, you're still a, uh, just a drummer. So acoustic kit. What uh, are you getting chance to play acoustic kit at, at all at the moment? Uh, um, what at this precise moment? No, yeah. for obvious reasons. Yeah. But well, um, no, no yes. I don't. I don't. I, I must admit, I need to get out more and play more because I really do enjoy it, um, and I really look forward to playing live. But uh, it's just no. I. I, yeah. I yeah, it, it that that sort of thing has I've sort of let slip, and right. I've sort of let it deliberately dry up. Yeah, possibly because I wasn't enjoying it so much, but now it's got to the stage where yeah, I want to get out. You there fancy it again? Yeah. All right. Mm. So, what's your uh, um, uh, what is the kit you take out? If you're your your desert island kit, you're only allowed to save one kit from your uh, oh, that's difficult. Uh, okay. Um, no surprise, all my acoustic kits are Yamaha. Um, I it would, be, it, would, it would be a very tough choice between two. I bought for my 40th birthday off eBay uh, uh, one of the first Yamaha kits to be bought into the country, uh, which is from a, somewhere between 1969 and 72. Um, and I've done it up, and it's great, and I love it, and it's fantastic, and it just feels nice to play. Right. But I have another one, which looks wise, uh, which is the blue one, which you've yeah. probably seen, but with wood hoops. Right. I just love the look of it. <laughs> you tart. So you've actually exactly. said it. You like how it looks. <laughs> I like how it sounds great as well, but it just looks poor. Okay, wow. right. So, so that's yeah. the one we'll have when we put this yeah. band together then. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. And and uh, just before we go, I, I, I must say thank you uh, so much for selling the kit that you sold to me all those years ago, which I have uh, right next to me here in the studio. Uh, I can see it. Uh, yes, yes. Um, and it... I could mic it up with uh, 10 cheap microphones and it would still sound amazing, this kit. It's just wonderful. And I still never heard a kick drum that I prefer more than this one. So thank you for that. My pleasure. It just goes to show it's not the gear, it's what you do with it. So yes well yes well thank you right uh, we've rabbited on for way too long and i i've taken up too much of your your time so uh thank you so much uh, mr ed goose would you like to give a quick plug where do people find you on that their interweb oh, okay um well my my very um neglected website is uh edruminfo.com um i am at simon at edruminfo.com um i haven't done anything on that site for ages and i really really must maybe now is the chance i might get a chance i believe to do it, so I, yes yes i doubt i doubt i will get the chance <laughs> though um uh, so yes uh, and yeah and that's where the people can find me and they do brilliant awesome uh, thank you very much for your time Thank you so much. Thank you for asking. It's always nice to be asked. It's great. I love doing stuff like this. Excellent. But, but there is a very heavy editing job ahead of you. For, <laughs> oh, no, to... That's absolutely fine. <laughs> all right. I'll see you again. Cheers. Fantastic. Take care. Bye. So that's all for this week. 
If you want to get in touch with some constructive feedback or perhaps ideas about future subjects for these podcasts, I'd love to hear from you. Email david at therecordingbooth.co.uk, Twitter at Rural Record Pro, or my main website is therecordingbooth.co.uk. Come and find me through that. Thanks for listening to the Rural Record Producer podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please do make sure to follow and if possible, leave a nice review of the podcast on your chosen platform. Until next time, enjoy your music.